Welcome to the Taking Care of Business podcast. I'm Melanie Mal, Communications and Content Manager for NHPA. On this episode, the first in 2023, I guide a conversation between NHPA Chief Operating Officer Dan Trottencheck and Grant Farnsworth, President of the Farnsworth Group and the Home Improvement Research Institute. We're recapping the highlights from the 2023 Market Measure Report, which is available for download now at yournhpa.org slash market hyphen measure. Listen to hear Dan and Grant's insights into the data and what the industry can expect in 2023 and beyond. When you grow a garden with Schultz products, you reap a bountiful crop of benefits for your customer and your business. The signature dropper applicator allows you to feed every time you water. Just seven drops per quart of water delivers vital micronutrients every time you feed. Schultz liquid plant food is available through hardware co-ops and lawn and garden distributors nationwide. For more information, go to knoxfurt.com Schultz. Welcome to the 2023 Market Measure Report annual webinar. Um, I'm Melanie Mao, the Communications and Content Manager for the North American Hardware and Paint Association. And today I have right next to me, uh, Dan Trottencheck, uh, COO of NHPA. And joining us remotely, we've got Grant Farnsworth, uh, President of the Farnsworth Group and the Home Improvement Research Institute. So thanks for being here. We're going to chat a little bit about the state of the home improvement industry. And it's quite a state. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I wanted to just kind of start generally. Um, what is kind of the temperature of, of the home improvement channel right now? Um, we're recording this right at the end of 2022. Um, our audience is seeing this at the beginning of 2023. So um, Dan, why don't you kind of talk a little bit about What's going on? What are people kind of preparing for going into 2023? Well, I, I think that's a, a, um, an interesting question because I think they're in many ways trying to figure out how to prepare for going into 2023. I mean, you know, last year when we all sat around and had this conversation, we were talking about a lot of uncertainty. And it seems like we are still going to be talking about <laughs> uncertainty. I mean, if you would have talked, uh, if we would have done this literally a month ago, you know, things like rising interest rates, gas prices, all those kind of things would factor heavily into the discussion, inflation. And now here we are a few weeks later and gas prices are suddenly going down. Um, uh, you know, inflation seems to be, you know, coming under control. So there's a lot of different things. One thing that I will say that kind of is reflective of that uncertainty is as we've talked to a lot of the retailers uh, that we speak with, so many of them have asked us the question, what are other people doing as far as budgeting for next year? What are you guys hearing about inflation for next year? What are you doing? And, and, and with those kind of questions, we've also heard a lot of people saying that we're budgeting later in the cycle this year than we ever have. We're waiting to get as much kind of data or as much insights as we can before we put pen to paper on what we think uh, next year is going to look like from all those different kind of uh, points of view. And, and I'll also kind of end by saying that I know it, you know there's a there's a broad industry, but the independent retailers in this industry 
always tend to skew a little bit conservative, not necessarily politically, uh, um, but you could argue that too. But um, but when it comes to budgeting forecasts, they, they always seem to want to uh, take a very conservative approach with where they think we're going to be headed. And, and I think that's just the nature that I've seen over the, you know, so long of looking at this, uh, industry is that, is that they tend to be very conservative in their budgeting. And even coming off of two years, going on three years of very strong growth, uh, for the industry, I still think that they're looking kind of with a, with a very cautious eye towards what it's going to look like moving into next year. Grant, I don't know if you're hearing anything different, but. Yeah, I think we're going to get into the details of what we think is going to be driving, um, you know, next year and, and where we see opportunity, where we see risk. But as far as planning and how to be thinking about it, I think, you know, what we're having a conversation with with many of the manufacturers we work with, as well as uh, the suppliers that we work with, is to be, be putting on your 2018, 2019 hat. That for now, Dan, as you said, almost three years running, we've had some some pretty phenomenal growth um, across most categories and most um, you know channels uh, within the building products home improvement industry. Um, that's certainly not sustainable. Um, quite a bit of an outlier, particularly when we look at the DIY space. Um, and over the last you know two years, really even looking at the pro space. So, I think getting in the mindset for planning that is a more typical competitive environment. The way that it was in 18 and 19, I, I think if you can have that approach, if you can have that mindset going into 2023, you're going to have more level set expectations than basing it off the past two years. Um, and you're going to be able to pull in some strategies and tactics that you found successful in 17, 18, 19 that I think, again, are going to be needed as we get into 23 and 24. Um, that's that's really where we're encouraging our folks to to just step back and, and not do year over year comparisons and comps and and what did you do in, in, in 22 and just do more of it in 23. The dynamics is going to be changing such that it's going to be a competitive environment. Think back to the last time that you had to actually compete and apply some of those learnings. Yeah, I think last year in our uh, NHPA kind of annual wrap up, um, we made the statement that this year was going to kind of be a, a reset year where we came off of those two years of tremendous, uh, really unexpected growth that, that we all know was, was, was really, um, carried by the, the pandemic spending. And, and we thought looking at this year that it was going to be that kind of return to a more normal market pace. Now, of course, I, I think while we were closer to that normal market cycle, in, in 2022, um, that there were so many other things that, that impacted this market. And it was just like one of those years where it was everything, you, you know, it, it, it wasn't just what I would call kind of still the, the, the remnant pandemic stuff, the, the kinks yeah. in the supply chain and, and still some of that pent up spending. And, and really, you know, for those who could even blame, some of the inflationary pressures on as a result of, of kind of pandemic conditions. But I mean, we also saw weather conditions that, that were kind of outside the norm that we normally see for this industry. And then, uh, you know, as we were trying to get our arms around things like inflation, well, you know, part of the year you had commodity pricing that was experiencing so much inflation and, and, and then it, that seemed to calm down. But then there was inflation on a lot of the, the typical hard lines categories. And, and so even when people have asked us, well, where do you put the inflation number? And I'll talk about where we, we ended up putting it, but 
we've heard everything from, you know, I was talking to someone and I said, I heard one uh, economy watcher who, who was looking at this industry and said they put would peck inflation at about seven and a half points and listened to his argument and said, yeah, that seems to make sense to me. Then I heard someone else say, no, it's closer to 14 points. And they illustrated their case. I was like, well, that makes sense too. So I, I, I mean, it, it's, uh, it, it has been another difficult year for folks like us to try and really understand what's going on because there's so many dynamics that, that are going on at once that we just haven't seen in the past, at least you know, for a, for a pretty simple fellow like myself. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that, that, that's absolutely the case. There's, there's, there's a lot going on and I don't know that it's all going to go away within the next 12 months. Um, what may be minimized, um, what may be increasing in importance. I, I think there's maybe some indicators as we think about, you know, the research and, and the feedback that, you know, you're hearing from your dealers. So um, it's going to continue to be a, a, a pretty complex um, and evolving market next year for sure. Yeah. So, Dan, you uh, you said at the top of the the webinar, kind of the word of the moment is uncertainty, and that you know that that came through in, in what you and Grant have just been talking about. But can you each talk a little bit about how that uncertainty fed into the projections that our organizations have made uh, for twenty twenty three and beyond? Well, I, I can certainly speak. Um, you, you know, I've been a, a big part of of in the past putting together the way NRHA makes its projections. And, and I learned it from, from, you know, certainly some of the folks that uh, have worked with the Farnsworth group and, and some of the great minds that we've had uh, here in the past of, of how we put our projections together. And, and a few years ago, I, I sat by and watched that entire model kind of break as we were seeing, you know, just growth being driven by things that no one, had modeled. And if anybody say, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe Grant will say he had that pegged, but I, I don't know. It was um, it was hard to peg the 20 plus percent growth that we saw followed up by another year of, of, of big growth. And this year, as I was settling in thinking, oh, it's going to be easy this year, it, 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 it really turned into the same kind of difficulties but for very different reasons. And I know most of the people in and around the office over the last month or so, as I was trying to get our projections together, were probably tired of me wandering into their offices, asking them questions and what they're hearing and, and bouncing numbers off of them. And thanks to, to Grant and, and Heary and the Farnsworth guys who, who all got together on a conference call with me just to talk me off a ledge a couple weeks ago. And I was like, hey, these are the numbers I'm coming up with. What would what, 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 shoot holes in this for me? And um, so it was equally as difficult. But I think the reason it, it's, it was difficult for, for different reasons this year than it has been over the last couple of years. And, and, and it's really just some of the things we were talking about. In, in anybody who's building kind of this forecasting model, you understand that things kind of happen in cycles and most everything in the economy is cyclical. And so if A plus B equals C one year, most years, it's going to be A plus B equals C. Um, and, and so that's why those models kind of work. But over the last few years, we've really had to dig in and find um, additional insights and go deeper into the modeling than we've ever done to really, to, to really more than anything to validate the numbers we're coming up with. Um, and, uh, and, and this year, you know, when we 
pushed the things in the top of the meat grinder and cranked the handle and looked at what came out the the, the bottom, I was like, wait, well, does this really make sense? And so we just had to had to really take the time and pour over what we were looking at and bring in other uh, financial models and bring in other uh, a little bit deeper uh, dive to say, yeah, that's 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 pretty much what we think it is, even though there were things that at first blush didn't make any sense. So. Um, so uh, I, I'm very glad to be having this conversation and to have this behind me and looking forward to a return where all those typical models will work again. Yeah. Grant, what about on your end? Did you have similar, similar challenges? Yeah. So the Home Improvement Research Institute puts together, um, you know, really a, a six month rolling size of market as well as forecast. And, and a lot of the inputs that the Home Improvement Research Institute uses um, are from you know census sales data um, similar to what other organizations are doing. So looking at retail sales for landscape, hardware, home improvement, um, you, you know, and I think you know depending on the organization, um, if you're accounting for inflation or not, um, are you accounting for channel shift or not? That's happened a little bit this year. Are you accounting for um, some of the category changes and utilization when we think about you know project sizes changing or shifting, maybe moving away from a DIY market to a DIFM market? So. I think there's all of these variables that, that 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 the folks then try to adjust the numbers in predicting where we're going to be for next year, based on category, based on channel type, based on um, you know project size, project type, based on DIY versus trade, and even within trade, what type of trade? So are we talking remodel versus uh, repair? Uh, so or maintenance? So you know I think there's a lot of factors and moving parts right now that are just making it more harder making it harder than normal um, to be able to come up with a real logical approach in how we build out our size for next year. Most of those that are building out um, you know, forecasts uh, for, for growth or declines, they're getting adjusted every other month, um, some cases every other week. So, you know, Dan, to your point, when you think about, um, you know, the retailers that may be listening in, um, you're probably holding off on finalizing your budget until you absolutely have to yeah. because of how much is changing, how quickly. So I, again, I think that's that's to say there's just a number of factors that have changed this year in behaviors, um, in projects, um, in, in in customer uh, kind of segments, and um, you know spending that is really hard to predict for next year. We've got some guesses. Right. And I know we're going to talk about, you know, what do we think is going to be happening? What's really driving from the supply and demand side of things? You know, what's really driving some of these forecasts? Um, but I, I can I can tell you, you know, out of the gate that we're certainly more optimistic on the contractor existing home side of the business yeah. for next year than we are for new home starts um, and more, you know, more optimistic than we are for DIY activity. So, again, you start looking at these individual pockets in our industry and you're going to get in some cases, pretty drastic differences in what to expect for 2023. Well, I'll be the first to say that I am not an economist. I'm not a. I'm not an Oxford trained economist or or anything like that. And and I think just to illustrate the point of the difficulty of looking at the things like you just talked about is, I mean, go Google. Is the United States in a recession? And while there is a typical definition of what a recession is, and depending on what definition you use, you may say, well, yes, the U.S. is definitively in a recession, but then there will be four other economists that say, no, we're not in a recession. And and again, you listen to their separate arguments and you could shake your head and say, well, yeah, they, they all make a little bit of sense here. 
But if you look at the conditions that we're in, and just even if you say, whether you say we're in a recession or not, and you look at the market conditions, they're so unusual in that you've seen the Fed just pound interest rates. And at the same time, you're seeing low, low unemployment, increasing wages, uh, all of these things that typically, you know, the housing market remaining somewhat strong, all these things that typically either things go this way or they go this way. But now we have some things going this way, some things going this way. And right. and even these really, really, really smart, uh, you know, uh, economists are saying, yeah, this isn't a, an atmosphere that we typically see. But let's also not forget that what we all just went through with the pandemic and all those trailings of the pandemic, the supply chain issues. I mean, even today, I hesitate to, to label anything as a post-pandemic environment because right. just watch the news and look at what's going on in China and so on, where a lot of manufacturing or raw materials are coming from. And, and the pandemic is still very present in, in a lot of those markets. And and so we're coming out of a condition that some could argue in in the in the post-industrialized era we've never seen something like this. Yeah. So I, I'd imagine uh, you know we're not the only ones kind of scratching our heads. Yeah, and what I would probably challenge uh, you know a lot of the you know retailers and independents and, and you know you know paint stores and hardware stores to think about is is, is a lot of the stuff Dan that we're looking at and going to be talking about today is certainly holistic. It's it's more national in its approach. Yeah, a lot of the headlines you read are going to just pick and choose some really good clickbait. Um, that's important and, and and fine to look at and all well and good as as, as just kind of you know a high level thirty thousand foot view. Get to your specific market. Understand what your customer, who your customer base is, first of all, um, what they're thinking, how busy they are. Are you serving pro? Are you serving DIY? So I think while it's important to understand at a national level what the forecasts may be, what the inputs to those are, um, I think it's also critically important to understand your specific market, your specific customer, look at your specific merchandising, because we may have vastly different stories from, from, from one uh, dealer uh, to the next, just given their markets, given who they serve, um, given their approach to it. So by no means are we saying, Dan, or at least I'll speak for myself, by no means is the Farnsworth Group, are, are we saying that, you know, this is the forecast for 2023 for all of home improvement. So you're going to yeah. follow suit. That, that, yeah. That's not the case. Um, and, and so I think it's important to remember that, that while you may see some doom and gloom headlines out there, um, it's very nuanced. And what may not be great in one area, um, you may be really, really successful in, in another. So please keep that in mind as you think about your business, not just next year, but every darn year. Well, and that's your a specific market, your customer, your merchandising, um, and 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 what's impacting uh, your customers. And that's a fantastic point, Grant. And and I think that is very apparent as we some of these roundtable groups that we moderate. You know, a lot of times we'll start some of our conversations by just going around the group and asking, you know, how's business? Right. And some guys, I'm up 19 percent year over year, while other guys are I'm down 13 percent. And so much, particularly in this industry, is regional that it's a good caveat that whenever Farnsworth, Heary, 
any of the other groups out there, NHPA, look at these kind of size of market growth, you're really looking more at benchmarking and trends, and and you really do have to apply the filter of what's going on in your market. Sure. It, it's it's another reason why I've been really hesitant as I've gotten asked throughout the year, what do you see inflation at for the home improvement industry? And and I, you know I could take two of our members, and and they're both home improvement retailers. But one maybe has a 50% remodeler contractor customer base and the other is a suburban hardware store. And their inflation, and also this last year at different points in the year, but their inflation that they're experiencing with their product pricing and so on is going to be so different that it it becomes very almost dangerous for for me or or someone to throw out, well, I think it's 11% or whatever it is. Because then someone could look at it and say, well, it's 11%. Well, how much of that is weighted toward lumber building materials? And if I don't carry those, maybe the real inflation that my store would be experiencing is X. So so yes, everybody, as we talk through these kind of broad, these are very very macro looks at at what we think is is going on. And and you can't necessarily say, Farnsworth, Heary, or NHPA put the growth number at this, and I was above it or below it. Or what right. you can really do is is take a look at it and see what was the trend. Is the trend kind of above what we've been? Is it below what we've been? Right. And then just kind of use it as a as a as a as a bit of a mile marker, as opposed to you know I've said this before about research that we do and research that you guys do is not to diminish anything, but we're not doing research where we're evaluating the failure rates on artificial hearts where 0.001% is going to make a huge difference. You know, what we're trying to do is give you an overall impression of what we see going on in a market space, not betting on whether or not that patient is going to be likely to make it through. So so just keep that in perspective. (laughs) Yeah, well, let's tie it back to where we start off the conversation today, which is how how do you think about planning for next year? And that's, that's, you know, Dan, to that point. So go back to what you were doing. Go back to what your numbers were looking like in 17, 18, 19. What those typical growth patterns or decline patterns look like for your business. That may be what you can be expecting going forward for the next couple of years. Um, start looking at the dynamics happening again within your market. But again, I think this ties back to planning and getting out, out of this kind of, you know, 2020 to 2023 mindset of it's got to be either really, really big or it's yeah. got to be, you know, really, really strong or it's got to be really, really weak. Now, it's OK if you're looking at forecasts and predictions of, yeah, we're going to have 5 percent growth next year. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that's kind of OK and kind of normal. Yeah, right, right. You know, I mean, for all the years before this, we would bump along with few outliers where, you know, we typically see three, four percent growth for the industry. And, and, you know, wherever the dart hit the board with three point two percent, three point seven percent, whatever, you know. um, But uh, um, so, yeah, it's 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 almost more like an index line where you're trying to figure out, am I above the index line or below the index line? So, right. uh, Yeah. So, Grant, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but I'd like to do a, kind of a deeper dive into this this kind of progression from um, a, a heavy hit on DIY and consumer spending in 2020, 2021, and kind of see where we see that shifting more to the pro segment um, here in, in the near future. 
Yeah. You know, I think there's, um, first of all, there, there, there's a lot of uh, DIY work that's been done over the past, you know, two, three years. And it's not necessarily pull forward. I don't want to get into a conversation of uh, this is all pull forward and we're, we're going to fall off a cliff here. Um, there, there were projects created um, due to the pandemic, things that homeowners were not ever thinking of doing that um, because their lifestyle changed, because they were home, because they had time and the funds to do it. Sure. Why not? Um, so I think there's some some DIY work that has been exhausted. So homeowners are now reached their potential on what they can do to the homes themselves. Um, there's a lot of pent up demand that we had because we were effectively um, contractors are almost shut out of the house for a four to six month period. We're still catching up on that backlog of work. Um, the availability has slowed the ability of contractors to do projects quickly because they've got to wait on materials. Labor continues to be an issue. So again, this slows the ability for contractors to do a lot of work. So there's, uh, you know, going into 23, 24, there's still not only existing demand that's been there, but some pent up demand that we still have yet to get through. When we look at contractor, um, um, uh, project lead times, uh, we're seeing those remain very steady month over month, quarter over quarter. Uh, we see some seasonal declines as we look at landscape and exterior trades. Uh, but otherwise, when you look at remodel or uh, interior um, and, and utility trades, um, their log times are still very, very solid. Uh, we also have um, high home equities. Um, even if we come down five or ten percent over the course of you know twenty twenty through you know this year, um, actually this year we're up over I believe thirteen percent. Um, this November, October compared to last November, October. And that's after we've already seen kind of a couple points come down nationally on home values. So because of how much we gained over the past three years, we can afford to give back five or 10% and still have an amazing equity picture on home values. Um, so that remains there as uh, you know, DIYers and homeowners think about doing projects for their home. Uh, we still have really strong saving rates uh, that, that came about through the pandemic. Um, and we've also got now we're starting to see um, a return to low and slow mobility. People are not leaving their homes. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, there's no availability of, of supply out there. there. There are no homes to be moving to. So you're going to make compromises. And there's a lot of research that shows that over the past few months, those that did make a move compromised on the home that they want. So these are people buying a house, knowing that they're going to put money into it to make it what they want it to be. On the other side, you have people staying in their home because they don't have good affordable options to move into. So instead, I'm going to stay put I'm going to utilize some of the equity, utilize some of my savings and really make this house what I want it to be for the next 10 years. Um, the other thing I'll mention is intent. When we look at homeowner intent, it's still very high. And when I say intent, it's, it's the percent of homeowners that want to do a project, whether it's a DIY or a model project. That intent has remained. And we track this on a monthly basis. Um, we see over 80 percent wanting to do or start a project on a monthly basis. So intent is really, really strong. And I think that's a leading indicator about potential project activity down the road. The nuances here are budget sensitivities and price sensitivities that we haven't seen for a few years. And as our firm has been saying lately, price is going to be the new availability for 2023. So work will get done. Work wants to get done. The homeowner may say, instead of spending 100 grand to do my kitchen, I now have 80 to do it because the rate on the money is maybe a little bit higher, or I'm just a little bit uncertain about how things are going to go. So there's, there's a financial implication and there's a big, big psychological implication happening right now. But homeowners want to do this work and they've likely exhausted what they can do. So they're going to be hiring pros to do it. And it's going to be on their existing home. 
So again, a number of factors. I know I just rambled through a bunch, but this is where we see the opportunity in our industry for the next probably 12, 18 months until we see a return back to some new single family housing starts. It's really going to be on that existing home side, aging housing stock, high home equities, and people staying put in their homes, wanting to make it their own. Dan, I don't know what you're seeing and thinking out there. Well, the biggest thing that I took out of that that I'm going to definitely send to my entire family is that Farnsworth Group is saying DIY projects are exhausted. I'm just going to say dad is no longer in the DIY game. So any 2023 projects you guys had on my to-do list, we're taking them off the well, table. They're, they're not gone, Dan. They're just, they're just maybe not as, as, as furious as they were. So instead of doing 10 things this weekend, you may just need to do five. Yeah. And I think that, you know, listen, there's there's a lot of things that, um, you know, are, are happening. And one of the things that I want to call attention to that, that you know, I, I think a lot of people sat around five, six years ago bemoaning the fact that, you know, these kids these days, they don't want to own a house. They don't mind. They're living in their mom and dad's basement and they're going to rent an apartment forever and all that kind of stuff. And, and I really think that we've seen even pandemic, even with everything that, that younger, younger folks are still going to form families and they're still going to buy houses and they're still going to do DIY projects. And all those things are still going to happen. And, and we, we didn't come, come to this, uh, DIY apocalypse. Where, where, where no one is doing anything. And I think everything we've seen over the last two years shows that that isn't the case. You know, and there's other things to other factors to consider about things that are taking place. I was listening to a podcast the other day that was discussing this whole, you know, kind of, uh, urban sort of flight to the suburbs and rural communities where a lot of people um, have, who, who, you know, kind of moved into the downtown and were attracted to that kind of kind of city living are now starting the family formation and all these other things and moving into the suburbs and looking for a suburban and rural lifestyle. And part of the discussion was how a lot of these younger folks that were in college during the COVID years and were sequestered in dorm rooms for months at a time are saying, I can't live in an apartment. I got to find something other than this. And all of those things, I think, are, are, are going to be good for the home improvement industry for years to come. And, yep. and while, you know, I know we're getting close to kind of sharing our 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 look back at 2022 and our look forward, but you know, I, I think in general, uh, um, broader strokes, we think it's going to be pretty moderate growth for the next three or four years, maybe on the low side of what we would have typically predicted heading into the pandemic. But it's still going to be growth for the industry. And I think as we kind of work through some of these additional challenges with supply, uh, product availability, and all those other kinds of things, um, we're going to um, we're going to return to that similar three to five percent growth, but it might take us a couple of years to get back into that into that pattern. Yeah, and I think once we do, Dan, I think there's a real big. Uh, uh, because of the demand, the household formation, and just really, really low supply. So I'll take a beat and 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 remind folks that. What happened in 2008 in the Great Recession, um, those fundamentals causing that uh, just kind of broad stroke, 
um, are, are, are pretty much opposite of what we've got today. So right. back then we've got a boatload of supply, all these new houses being built and, and, and very little demand that wanted them. Um, today we've got a ton of demand with very, very little supply out there. So kind of, again, at the, at the fundamental level, we're, we're teeing ourselves up for, uh, maybe this reset for potentially a couple of years. I mean, if you talk to some economists that, you know, they're saying by the end of 23, inflation gets back down to four or 5%. And it's at the beginning of 24 that we start ramping back up as far as being able to deliver on that demand. And so, you know, there is an argument to be made that whenever that return to delivering to demand happens, it may be a really steep curve. Curve up now. Is that in twenty four? Is that in twenty five? Is that in twenty six? Um, you mentioned you're not an economist. I certainly am not either. But when you do look at those fundamentals, household formations, populations, um, the demand side of things, you know, we, 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 there there is a very strong argument that that when business returns, it could return um, in really great strength. Uh, when is that going to be? Is that a year? Is that two? Is that three years out? Obviously, that's a big unknown, right? So yeah. Um, before we get into our our final thoughts, um, I did want to kind of go back to this conversation of of how how uh, work on homes is is happening or or will be happening, um, and and get some insights, Grant, on any any impact that has at the category level. So, will yep. there be a shift in what categories retailers are seeing are, are seeing? Yeah, so both the Farnsworth Group as well as the Home Improvement Research Institute are tracking, um, you know, project intent, looking at, you know, are, are you planning to do something, and then, then, you know, what are you planning to do? And and what I can say is that we're starting to see pretty consistent trends with a lot of prior years. Kitchen and bath are always up there at the top. They've got the highest return on the investment. Um, where we see some nuances um, are the outdoor spaces, outdoor living, landscaping, um, being a little bit more popular um, and having higher intent than what we've seen in prior years. So this would again suggest that this this idea of expanding the home to the outdoors or I, I'm, I'm home quite a bit and I want to be able to have some outside space um, I think that is sticking um, there, there continues to be you know discussions around kind of home office and I think as you look at the new housing side of things you see uh, more design implications for home office homeschooling kind of this this more time at home hybrid approach right as, as most you know clients and colleagues that I have pretty much, I would say 95% of them uh, have a hybrid uh, work model right now where they're in the office a couple of days a week and then they're working from home and, and maybe they're trying to manage kids in the afternoon or whatever the case may be. So, you know, I, I think those conversations are still happening and how do I accommodate for my lifestyle? But data wise, we see the trends um, certainly supporting that outdoor lifestyle, maybe more so than we have in previous years. Uh, what I can also say and what we expect is that given the Inflation Reduction Act, we would anticipate a lot of energy efficient projects coming on board as well due to some stimulus that's going to be thrown towards that, some incentives for putting in new HVAC, um, incentives for, for putting in, um, you know, maybe solar panels, et cetera. So um, be on the lookout over the next few years for those products that are related to projects that are going to fit within the IRA. Um, Still some labor challenges around who the heck's going to do all this, but there's another source of demand that we haven't quite yet realized. So we, we may see some additional project trends in the coming years once um, homeowners really understand where the incentives are for these products and project installations. All right. I think we've reached that point <laughs> where it's where it's time to... Uh, uh, crunch those numbers live in action. Um, 
so Dan, if you want to kind of talk about where you, you kind of alluded to it already, but but um, from from what I've uh, kind of looked at the the report that Grant provided and and the report that you provided. Uh, I think we're kind of transitioning from uncertainty being the word of the moment to sustainable being the word of the moment. So can you talk a little bit about yeah. what NHPA sees ahead? Well, and, and first talking a little bit about kind of wrapping up 2022, um, you know, uh, without getting into all the issues that caused me fits in, in the last month, but uh, at about the midpoint for the year, we were tracking kind of industry growth in the mid to high 6% level over previous year. And, you know, as we entered Q4, we think some of that was slowing down a little bit more, decelerating a little bit more than, than, than was typical to see in Q4. Um, and so when everything kind of sorted out, and again, even to what Grant was saying, one of the reasons that made it so difficult to really try and peg that number was because a lot of it was different categories doing well in different areas. So some retailers that you would typically see doing well or you could benchmark against because they weren't heavy in some of the categories that were doing particularly well or, or experiencing more inflation um, weren't in the same ballpark as retailers who were in other categories. So all that, um, we, we, we put the number uh, for growth in uh, 2022 at about 5.9% over uh, the prior year. And that would bring our estimate of the industry size to about just a shade over $566 billion. Um, so again, uh, um, still a stronger than average year. The thing that I would caution is that so much of that is tied into inflation that if you were really trying to index it, it was probably a pretty flat year. We did hear that typically what retailers are experiencing is lower transaction count, lower unit sales count, but higher transaction size, um, which would all indicate that inflation is driving a lot of that uh, growth number. as we swivel the camera around and and get forward looking in our predictions, we think that next year is going to probably come in just a shade over 2% growth over this year. And then we're going to hover in that mid two to high two growth for the next few years. So kind of looking at a compound annual growth rate for the five-year period starting last year, we're at about 3.2, 3.3% compound annual growth, which is which is more in line with what we would typically see, which again speaks to us kind of having a market reset from those COVID kind of boom years. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll speak on behalf of the Home Improvement Research Institutes. Um, and for those that aren't familiar, um, HIRI, H-I-R-I.org is a member-driven nonprofit that serves uh, the home improvement industry. Best source of secondary information um, that's available for our industry. So if you're not a member, I uh, would encourage you to join it. It functions like a co-op. So um, all the members pool some money together to conduct research that's exclusive for that membership. And, and, and part of the research that they do for their membership um, is looking at size of market and forecast for the home improvement market. And so, you know, Dan, similar to what you were saying, subject kind of, you know, category movement and, and channel movement, there, there's there's a lot of, you know, um, variables uh, that Hiri looks at, um, they are projecting for 2022 
a 7.2% year-over-year growth compared to 2021. And then for 23, looking at a 1.5% increase over 22. What is great about the HERI uh, information and HERI research is that they also break it down consumer versus pro. So I want to share about 2023 that, that, that we do see some nuances when we think about pro versus consumer. Pro growth uh, projected by HERI for 2023 is about 3.6% compared to consumer growth, which is 0.6% or virtually flat. So um, again, I think we see more data that continues to support the position of existing home contractor opportunities are probably greater than that of the consumer or DIY. Um, and, and, and Dan, to your point, we see in the data as well, we hear in the rhetoric that uh, foot traffic is down, um, a price point of product purchases is up, um, the size of basket when they are in store is up. Um, you can you can read the transcripts from Lowe's and Depot and, and where they're seeing growth. It is in large price point product purchases. It is in pro purchases. Uh, Melanie, we've got a great quarterly tracker between NHPA and the Farnsworth Group that surveys your uh, dealer and, and independent network um, to understand, you know, what are they seeing in their stores? And we see and hear the same data, which is, yeah, our traffic is down, but our basket size are up. Our, our, our product, you know, our, uh, size of purchase is up. So, um, you know, kind of some offsetting things happening. And, and much of this, Dan, to your point, may be due to inflation, but there is still some growth for opportunity, but you've got to be competitive next year. You're going to yeah. have to fight for share. You're going to have to fight to maintain loyalty and maintain your customers um, in a way that you haven't been used to probably for the past two, two and a half years, where all you had to do is have product on the shelf and it's going to move. Um, so Dan, love that you brought up the compound annual growth. Uh, we're starting to get back to a normal competitive environment, yeah. y'all, uh, where you've got a plan and you've got to have proper pricing and merchandising strategies, uh, where you've got to understand your customer and have some really good customer strategies uh, going into the year, not just um, you know hounding your, your manufacturers to get some stuff on the shelf for you. So uh, slow, uh, modest growth for next year. Uh, looks like we've got you know, pretty decent growth uh, this year, uh, given how the back half of the year has, has certainly slowed. Yeah, one thing I want to add on to what you said, because it's a really good point, Grant, is, um, you know, as we have talked to retailers about budgeting, one thing that we keep hearing again and again is a focus on expense control and a focus on um, inventory discipline. You know, inventories have climbed, uh, inventory investment have, have climbed over the last couple of years. And we hear more and more retailers saying, I am getting back, I'm trying to get back to that inventory management discipline that I practiced prior to all the supply chain issues and the, and, and the right. sales growth, because I need to make sure I'm on top of my margins. I need to, I, I need to make sure that I'm, I'm really trying to rationalize every Q-level purchase that I'm making um, as a method of just kind of getting things back to a more normalized kind of pattern of, of typical inventory management. And when it comes to the expense side, more and more retailers have realized that I've got to focus on expense controls where I can, because while I've seen payroll and wages increase, that's not going away, but some of these kind of you know ridiculous sales growth that I've experienced that very well might go away, mm -hmm. and so I've got to focus on how do I maintain 
the payroll levels, the wage demands that are out there today. And the only way to do that is to really look at how I can take a sharp eye at my expenses and, and do a better job of controlling those. So, so that's going to be some of the kind of budgetary lingering effects that we see this industry and 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 you know it's not really confined to to our industry, but small business in general kind of work through over the next few years. Great point. Really good point. Well, thanks for uh, for offering those insights today. Uh, I always appreciate uh, getting to be a fly on the wall for these kinds of conversations. The complete report, uh, our annual market measure report, is available at yournhpa.org backslash market measure. Um, and that is available now. Um, so if anybody's interested in kind of seeing um, a little bit more data and, and reading through these, these kinds of insights, um, both from NHPA um, and from HERI, they are included in that report. So again, thanks for joining us um, and uh, we'll see you next year, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's actually by the time they're watching it, it's this year. That's we're true. recording it last year. <laughs> That's <but> true. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And again, we, we appreciate the support from the Farnsworth Group and the Home Improvement Research Institute. And if you haven't checked out either TFG or, or HERI, make sure you go to their website and and see what they do and how they can bring more of these kind of customized insights to your business and help you make better educated decisions. That's great. Thank you both. Always happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks. Well, welcome back to the Taking Care of Business podcast. I am guest host, uh, Lindsay Thompson, associate editor with NHPA. And I'm so excited today to have Beth Casson from the National Hardware Show. Happy New Year, Beth. Happy New Year to you, too. It's great to talk to you. Great to see you. Yeah, you too. So the countdown is on for the National Hardware Show. Do you have a calendar countdown going? <laughs> I have had that calendar countdown going since day 90. So yes, oh. it is going. And we are we are in the final throes of getting all the wonderful details prepared for the show. We're really excited that it's coming so soon. Awesome. Yeah, so the National Hardware Show will be take place on uh, January 30. First through February 2nd in Las Vegas. And I, for one, am excited to get out of the Indiana cold uh, to lost some Las Vegas warmness. Beth, what are you most looking forward to at the National Hardware Show this year? Oh, boy, there's so many things going on this year. Uh, and as we get closer, all the details get, you know, tighter and tighter. Mm -hmm. So there's lots to look forward to. You know, I think we are really excited for this, uh, this year to kick off. We now, uh, we started this partnership with three events, having the same badge and access to three events. Uh, now we're up to five. So uh, we'll be able to grant our community access to not only hardware, but to the builder show, the kitchen and bath show, the Las Vegas market, uh, and the uh, surfaces event down at Mandalay Bay, which is all for floor coverings and, mm -hmm. and any surface covering you can think of. So that is very exciting for us to be able to offer the community access to all of these great events um, all at once. And really excited about our speaker lineup and Habitat. Uh, we've got Heary coming on board with the Farnsworth Group. Um, we've got the Retail Design Institute, and we've got Epicor that's put together a great panel of uh, for discussion on technology and retail and how things are going. So uh, I would say those are some of the really, really exciting things. The other piece that I'm very excited for is the award ceremonies. You know, I love mm -hmm. that we get to have you guys uh, pick our Retailer Choice Awards and uh, put those on display for everyone. So really excited to see the outcome of that, too. 
Yeah, Retailer's Choice Awards is one of my favorite parts of um, National Hardware Show, and I'm excited to get to do it again. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the vendors that'll be here or be at the show this year. Uh, well, we have we have a range of different uh, vendors. You know, we always have. Hardware's been one of those places where you come and you can find all all sorts of different products. So, you know, this year we actually broke out hardware and backyard, so mm-hmm. outdoor, um, and we're we're really making a. a uh, an effort to make them almost kind of a sub sh- two different sub shows within a show because they, they do offer such great different products. Um, so we've got uh, about 800 exhibitors at this point um, across all different, about 15 different product categories, everything from plumbing and electrical and tools all the way through grills and uh, gardening tools and uh, outdoor products. And uh, we also have a great representation of inventors, so about a hundred inventors at the show this year with all fun, exciting new products. Um, so very, very cool stuff going on. Um, a lot to see and take in. Um, one of the destinations I think will be really valuable for people is Habitat, where we put about 200 products on display that are all new to market and really exciting. Uh, so those are some of the, the the big things I would say that um, you'll be able to find and discover at the show. Yeah, I love that Habitat this year has these five pillars of of, of lifestyle, you know, these, the lifestyle living. So those are show you care, happy place, world of wonder, mind your mind and save to save. I think those would be really helpful for, um, attendees to, to get a lot out of that section. Yeah. You know, what's really cool about that is we actually work with a number of different parties to select the products that go in there. So that's actually a curated space where we've worked with a consultant. They come up with these trends and they're all based on, you know, what consumers want and what's happening in their worlds and what's important to them. And uh, and then they curate a selection of really cool products um, that mm-hmm. should drive top line sales in stores, ultimately, mm-hmm. uh, because it is, you know, related to how people are wanting to live in their homes. And so when you think home improvement projects uh, and DIY projects, that's really what we try and focus on is bringing those products to the forefront that will kind of drive top line sales and and uh, give consumers what they want at the end of the day. Yeah, Absolutely. So I'm taking on in twenty in this year, 2023, technology. Like I'm just really diving deep into retail technology. So I'm super excited for the Retail Solutions Center. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this came out of a number of conversations we had with our steering committee. And they said, you know, just put technology in our face. We need to just have it thrown in our faces because, uh, you know, this industry is not necessarily the most tech savvy or most tech forward. Uh, And so they said, you know, it really helps us to understand what's going on out there. And so we are working really closely uh, with a bunch of different vendors that have great solutions that they can offer um, to, you know, increase your uh, efficiencies in stores and to make, you know, omni-channel marketing and sales a lot easier uh, and to ultimately build a great experience both online and in store uh, that also can and can integrate into your you know your inventory supplies and, and trying to streamline things uh, for your business. So uh, that was all built around our community's feedback of what they need and what they need to understand. And um, with every package and every customer in that space, there's also going to be tech talks happening. Uh, so they'll all be able to provide kind of case study led conversations about what's been working for them and how their products work. Less of a sales pitch and much more of a, hey, here's how it's working already. And here's how you can take advantage of it. So we have a little, a small little tech talk theater, a very, uh, you know, fireside chat style that'll be going on throughout the show too. So you not only get to see the products, but get to learn about how they work. Yeah, that's, that is going to be so great. I'm really looking forward to that. 
And I'm also looking forward to samples in the backyard with well, the backyard's back again this year, right? It is. It is. The backyard still one of the favorite destinations. It is back. Um, we've got, I think, about 20 customers back there right now. It might be a little bit more, uh, my last count. Uh, but they will be growing, growing up a storm and, and doing sampling uh, throughout the day there. Usually lunch is the busiest time. Uh, everyone heads out there to get snacks. And so we've got some really great brands back there um, cooking. And we've got a chef's competition. So there'll be a grilling chef competition going on on Wednesday. Uh, so we are always looking for people that want to be judges there. So you're more than welcome to uh, to, to judge one of those contests. Consider me signed up. I'm done. Perfect. <laughs> but yeah, we are we are really excited. We also have all of the awards and welcome receptions going on in the backyard. So we'll have a big tent like we have in the past, but this time there'll be some heat, some heaters in there, uh, and it'll be enclosed. And uh, we'll have a band going every evening, uh, and uh, samples and food and beer, you know, free beer for everyone. Uh, just a place to unwind at the end of the day and rest up and, and enjoy some beverages with your colleagues and peers. Yeah. Wow, Beth, I'm really excited. You guys are just really packing the value in um, to this National Hardware Show. And, and you know, I'm really excited to, to be there. And um, our listeners, if they need more information, can go to nationalhardwareshow.com. Uh, Beth, anything else you want to add of, um, wait a why, why come out? Why come out to Vegas? Why join us in a couple of weeks? Oh boy. Uh, well, I think, you know, as the, as the, the show that kicks off the year, I think it's really critical to come out and explore and really discover all of these fun new products and, you know, have a great time with your colleagues, learn from each other, network, um, you know, get the best practices that are going on. We're really working hard to create more networking opportunities, more networking time, more best practice sharing, more learning. Uh, and I think that that's a really big piece of events period as we move forward, you know, really making sure not only do you get to discover product, but you come back with some real tangible learnings uh, and opportunities to bring back to your business. You know, so I would say you'd be missing out on all that wonderful stuff and we would hate for that to happen. Uh, so come on out and they have a free registration through you guys still. So using your code of NHPA, there's free registration for all of your members. Um, so yeah, get out there, take advantage and, and enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. So that's nationalhardwareshow.com and you can use the promo code NHPA to get free registration. So thank you, Beth. It's always a pleasure talking with you and I can't wait to see you in a couple weeks. Yeah, same here, Lindsay. I'm looking forward to it and I will sign you up to be one of those judges. So <laughs> be prepared. Awesome. I will. Thanks so much, Beth. <laughs> thank you.